Welcome to Young for My Age, a show that explores aging and ageism in a world obsessed with youthfulness. I'm your co-host, Kelly Anderson. And I'm co-host, Andrea Barker. It's time we had a conversation about the fears, joys, and unknowns around aging. So join us as we dismantle the myths and societal norms, and hopefully we have a little fun along the way. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Ooh, we have got a good one in store for you today. If you've been listening to this show from the beginning, you'll know that we've shared both ours and our guests' perspective primarily from the late 30-something and above angle. And today we're doing things a little bit differently. So today we're joined by a very special guest, someone very near and dear to my heart, Kayla Bruton. Kayla is in her early 20s. She is the founder of Emerge and supports women in becoming their highest selves through energetics, mentorship, mindset, just to name a few of her favorite modalities. She's also a dear friend, a soul sister who has played a massive role in my transition from corporate to coaching and solopreneurship. So I am so excited to have her here. Kayla, welcome to the Young For My Age show. We're so glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like this is one of those moments of like, I was a fan. I listened to all the episodes and like, now I'm on the show. So I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> we love it. Welcome. Really welcome. Honored. I love it so much. Uh, we can't get into the good stuff without just a quick background of how Kayla and I met. And Dreej, I have to say, you and I would not know each other if it were not for Kayla and I knowing each other. So oh, I love this. Yeah. Like that's how deep this connection runs here. Um, Kayla is really, I wouldn't say responsible, but Kayla is the reason that I stepped into coaching. She was sort of my first like teeny tiny dip the toe in. What is this coaching world all about? Um, Kayla, I'll let you tell the story of how we met just a quick background, but I had to make that connection that like the three of us would not be having this conversation if it weren't for Kayla and I first meeting. I love that you put those puzzle pieces together because for me, the way that we connected, so my perspective of it and over on my show, uh, we share your perspective of how we connected. So I love this here. Um, so for me, we were in a energetic kind of chakra healing program together. And I just remember showing up to that space as I was in my last semester of college and was about to launch my coaching practice and get my certification and just was like taking the next steps in my journey. And I think I remember seeing Kelly's face maybe like once on these group calls over a span of however many months, six months or so the container was. And I just remember mentioning a few times that I was getting my certification in uh, in life coaching. And I remember receiving a message from Kelly just like, hey, I'm curious about the work that you do. Would love to chat with you on this. I'm like, yeah, sure. And so at this point, I was going through the certification program myself. And what I didn't know is that in the next round that this program would be ran, uh, I would be the like peer mentor for the future people that come into the program. So I actually had kind of the honor of being in this this space with Kelly um, in peer mentor role as she was getting her certification. And then we both moved into a mastermind together. She was ready to build her business. I was ready to expand my business and leave that company. 
And we just became like dear sisters and accountability partners. And just, we call each other, each other's coworkers because we just like flush out everything in our own businesses. And it has been just an honor to walk alongside this woman and, and watch the work that she's done in this world. And soon as she shared that she was doing this podcast with you, Dreej, I was like, oh, this is going to be so fun, just because I've known Kelly's journey of wanting to share her voice and her journey and to know that there was another woman in this space with her. I was like, this is going to be the best thing ever. So again, so excited to be here. So grateful to be connected with both of you. Oh, that's great. You know, uh, I'm I'm sure that she told you this, but the most random text that I sent her asking if she wanted to co-host this with me completely like in my mind, I was all she's not even going to respond or she's going to just laugh, just throw an LOL at me. And instead she was like, are you serious? And I was all, oh, <laughs> dang. All right. <laughs> yeah, so that having that accountability partner, that's a that's a beautiful, beautiful thing for sure. I love that story that you just told of how you met. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Kayla. Well, tell the listeners a little about who you are and your background. I think that'll be a good segue into some of the topics that we're going to be covering around age today. So tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so I'm going to speak through the lens of of what I know you guys cover in this show, because I feel like the question of who are you is such a multifaceted question, and there's so many directions I I could go with that. Um, But I'm going to speak from the lens of being in the second grade, knowing what I wanted to do with my life and honoring that for my entire journey. So at the age of seven, knowing, oh, I want to be a speaker, like this is the work I want to do, and carrying that through my entire journey. So I knew on Dr. Seuss Day, when they asked me to speak about Dr. Seuss in front of the elementary school, that I had these butterflies in my stomach, but it was like that feeling of like, oh shit, like I want to do this all of the time. Like that adrenaline you get when you're in your purpose, you're doing the thing that you came here to do. And it was like, I chased that feeling my entire life up until this point, still kind of existing in that. And so as I kind of got older, Um, I remember hosting like assemblies in the fifth grade uh, against, it was for the victims of bullying. So we were having all these assemblies that were like, um, what happens if you bully? These are the laws. This is what you get in trouble for. And I remember going to my elementary school teacher saying, well, what about the people who are getting bullied? Like, are we going to ever help them? Like what's happening? And she was like, you can do it. So I put this whole assembly on for my like fourth and fifth grade classes um, and so, again, just embodying this role of, of speaking at such a very young age. And then as I continued to, to grow, I was introduced to motivational speakers. So Tony Robbins, Eric Thomas, Les Brown, these were the men that my dad would play in the house. Um, we never listened to the radio. We would always have some type of speaker on. And I just remember thinking, like, where are the women who do this? Like, why is it all these, like, older men who speak about, you know, like making your life better and personal growth and development. So I, right there, I'm seeing a gap in the market, right? And I'm like 13 years old. <laughs> and so uh, when I get into high school, I, you can ask any of the, the people I graduated with, everyone knew that I wanted to become a public motivational speaker and a life coach. Like that was what I would walk around school saying. I was like, let me get in and out of high school. Like I know where I'm ready to go next get to college. And I'm thinking if these speakers like Les Brown didn't even graduate from high school, imagine where I could go if I just go to college for a couple of years. 
And so I decided to study psychology with the thought in mind of if I study psychology, I can understand how the mind works, which means now I can actually help people with these things. Freshman year of, of college, I'm like, all right, when's this over? Ready to do the next thing? Like just so tunnel vision towards where I wanted to go next, really not realizing that like I'm 18 years old, like I got time to, to, to figure this out. And so I get through college, I end up completing my education early, go through my life coach training uh, certification ab- ab- among many other trainings and, and certifications from that point and got to this place where I was ready to launch my own coaching practice, my own business. So now the work that I do in the world currently, um, I, I heard a term from another renowned speaker. Her name is Alison Bird. She says my right now purpose, because our purpose is constantly shifting and changing all of the time and, and the work we're meant to do in this world. So, so my right now purpose is showing up in mentorship space for women who are ready to embody their highest self and what that means, the highest self. It's really when you're ready to embody the thing that your soul came into this human body to do in this lifetime and working through all the thoughts and the beliefs and the patterns and habits that aren't going to support you in getting to that vision you have for your future and your life. Um, So again, I'm, as Kelly said, in my early 20s, I'm 24 years old. And I'm doing the work that I've known since I was about seven years old wanting to do. And I have thoughts all the time of like, what am I going to be doing when I'm like 40? What am I going to do when I'm like 80 years old? Like, what's it going to be like? Oh, that's so good, Kay. Thank you for that background. I, I'm lit up every time I hear your story of having that sense of knowing at such a young age, right? Like when I was seven, I wanted to be the first girl in the NBA obviously that didn't happen, but you're like, oh, I want to be a motivational speaker and I'm going to speak on these topics. I'm going to do this. It's like, holy, holy cow. Like that's very enlightened for a seven-year-old, right? Like super cool. And I know as you've stepped into this leadership role, right. And founding your, your business emerge and you were what, 21, 22 when you started emerge. Yeah. Yep. 20, 22. Right. And so what society might say about that is, wow, like this woman is so young to be starting her own business. Right. I I put a disclaimer that society would say that I would not, but (laughs) I'm curious, like when you decided to step into that role to launch your business at 22, like what was that conversation like with yourself? What fears did you have? What beliefs did you have? What noise was going on? in your brain as you were stepping into that role? Yeah. So I think the conversations I was having with myself in building my own business at 22 years old were really a result of like projections and opinions of others while in high school and college, because those are the ages where like everyone in your life is trying to tell you how you should live your life and what you should do with it. And I just like very well knew what I wanted to be doing. So I still like heard the things and it didn't really, 
I didn't really recognize how they were affecting me or how they were dictating how I was moving until I got to the space of wanting to step into entrepreneurship. Because I mean, I was the girl in like the third grade that was selling like friendship string bracelets for 25 cents. Like I've always known I wanted to do some type of business. I would run lemonade stands and be like the manager of the table for all of my cousins all summer. Like always had this very like entrepreneurial spirit about me. And when I decided to step into building my own business, the the one kind of judgment that came up a lot, and I didn't realize uh, probably until like about a year ago how this was still playing out, um, was from someone that I had, you know, really valued her opinion and shared with me, who's going to take advice from a 20-something-year-old? Like, you've barely lived like a quarter of life. Like, who would who would take advice from someone like that? And so I had to work through that. And what it brought me deeper into was what value do I have to bring to the table? What are my life experiences? What have I moved through up until this point that I have mastered and embodied to the point where I can support people? Um, Les Brown says all the time, all you have to know is one thing more than the people you want to support to be of to be a leader and to be able to support them. Once I was able to anchor into that truth, I then started to just, I, I remember having a post-it up on my calendar, in my office, it said, starting a business in your 20s. And it was just my reminder in the moments where I would get so ahead of myself, or I would, you know, beat myself up for not being in a place that I, I see myself being a couple years from now, or in comparison to these people who were, you know, worked a nine to five for however long, decided they didn't want to do that anymore, left that and started doing something else. And and recognizing like, at that point, because of maybe the career that they were in, they were able to have the house and start the family and have money saved to travel and do these things. And I'm fresh out of college. So there's also the narrative of like, broke college student trying to start her business playing out for me as well, which is a narrative and a story that I, I couldn't really find um, much community with. So it was a lot of the noise that I had to work through of my own of like, oh, there's there's not many people doing it this way. Okay. And so at first it was a little um, like disempowering is, is how I was looking at that. And then I was able to step into this like oh, I kind of have a leg in the game because there's not many people doing it this way. So um, it's always been this kind of like back and forth between being being young in the world of entrepreneurship is like a blessing and it's so great and there's so much more I can do with it. And then there's also um, some wisdom and some life experiences that come from, you know, maybe being in a full-time job for X amount of years that I, I didn't have that. I worked in my version of corporate at 19 wore blazers for a full-time, you know, internship. And that was the only taste I needed. Like that was enough for me right there to show up at eight in the morning, run interviews. I was hiring and training other college students for this sales job, like doing the whole thing. I had the slacks on the heels every day. I was like, F this, like, I don't know how people do this for 10 plus years. And again, that's me just following that, those nudges and, and those calls, um, so early on. Yeah. I would have loved to figure that out at 18. <laughs> right. I know. And it is, you know, Kayla, that's really powerful to, um, number one, kind of going back to what you spoke about in the beginning of just knowing what kind of feeling that nudge so early. Um, I know a few people who have 
basically from the time they were very young, just known what they were going to do and ended up in that space. And it's really beautiful to see. I think the majority of us tend to, I, I don't even like to say the word flail. Cause I feel like most of us aren't flailing. It's just like finding what it is that feels right for that in that moment, right? Your now purpose, your right now purpose. And, but then also going back to how you were able to reframe this, these conversations that maybe other people were having that maybe that projected on you of, Oh, what do you have to offer? You're so young. Um, and yeah, of course, people who are 10, 15 years older that have other experiences, have different experiences. That's just what it is. doesn't mean their experiences, you know, are better or worse or whatever they are. Um, but that being said, um, I'm curious because I'm feeling like perhaps there's a deeper, um, piece to this. And what I mean by that is there's perhaps someone or someone's in your life that kind of taught you how to age and whether that means they taught you what you didn't want in, in how they are aging currently or how you watch them age, or they taught you what was possible. So do you mind maybe filling in the gaps there? I feel like there's, there's something there. I really like you, Dreej. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> as soon as you're like, there's something deeper there. Yes, the Scorpio in me is like, talk oh, to me, sister. Scorpio, Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And so to, to answer your question directly, I was shown a lot of what I didn't want growing up. Um, my mother had me at 18 years old. I was in my parents' wedding at two, and then they were divorced by the age that I was I was four. And so in that journey of watching the two humans who brought me onto this earth, trying to find their footing, they were in their 20s. So my age right now, trying to find their footing with first me, and then two years later, my sister, and then a few years later, my three brothers, um, them trying to find their footing in, in how they wanted to show up in the world and what their purpose was and how to love themselves and how to figure out what their values were and how to do their life different than maybe how their parents did. Like I'm figuring all of that stuff out now. And I sometimes sit back and think like, I could have never done this with two children. Like, because your whole life becomes about raising these babies and taking care of them. And I was, you know, given everything that I could have needed. And my parents did the best that they could with what they had and what they knew. And I knew that in watching that and being the oldest of five siblings, that I wanted to do things differently. I became the confidant for both of my parents at different points. And having to meet my parents where they were at with their very adult experiences, finances, relationships, like all, all of the things, having to meet them where they were at, um, called me in, called me up essentially into having to grow up really young and mature very young. Um, another element of that is spending weekdays living with my mom, who's a single mother. So, you know, majority of her days were spent out working or continuing her education because she had my sister and I so young where I'm seven years old washing drying and folding my own laundry and then making sure that we have she would prep the food and then leave instructions for me on how to like put the chicken in the oven and how to saute the vegetables and I'm doing this like before I'm even in high school and so these are things that I would probably never instruct my own children to do but it's what had to be done to get by. 
And so it was normalized for me to operate at this very mature level so early in life. And I think from a kind of more soul level, it was like my spirit knew that I was going to be doing this work in this life. And so giving giving me these survival, you know, ways of being or these very like, I remember being a senior in high school and girls complaining about like not knowing how to do their laundry. And like, that was like a foreign language to me because it was just my upbringing. It's all that I knew. And so that that is that deeper layer of being the oldest child, being a child of, you know, two very young parents who were very much still figuring out their adulthood. Um, and, you know, I'm grateful to say now that there's so much of their journeys that I get to grow with them in um, because I've decided to, to take this path, watching my mom step more into, um, you know, self-love and prioritizing herself and, and watching, you know, my dad ask me like how to heal your inner child, like these things that because I, I was able to meet them where they were at, I'm seeing the return on that now flip side of them meeting me where I'm at. Um, so there's, there's of course a, a gift in it. And, you know, some will say like seven years old doing your own laundry, like I would never like, I didn't know anything else. And it, it's brought me to the space that I'm in now. And so I'm really, I've allowed myself to find gratitude and, and the gifts and in, in all of those experiences for sure. Yeah, that's a, uh, that is an answer. <laughs> and, and I was right. There was something deeper there. It's that it's quite beautiful. I'm always amazed um, when I hear stories like that about a kid who really just had to grow up quickly. And that's the reality for so many people. Um, and I'm just amazed that you were able to kind of turn that into something so, yeah, just so purposeful. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, of course. Again, like I said, I, I love being able to pull pull back the layers and be like, okay, what's what's the root of this? Because it is true for, for everyone listening. Like I can assume only in the beginning that people are like, she's in her 20s. Like what, what does she know? Or what has she really created? Or- like how, how did that happen? That's the big question. Like, how do you get to that space? Um, or the, oh, I wish I knew what you knew type of thing. And it's like, no, there's, there's also like life experience that's brought me to this space. It wasn't just like this magic wand. And like, I have these special superpowers at 20 something years old where it's figured out, like <laughs> not that. <laughs> well, you do have superpowers, Kay. Come on now. <laughs> All right, Cal. <laughs> it's so interesting that... I know we've talked before, Kayla, and so often you have heard from others that you are an old soul or old for your age, which I love with this show being called Young for My Age. And so I'm curious, like, why do you think you hear that from your peers or from others so often? And what does that actually mean to be an old soul? The direction that I want to go with this is rooted in very true um, and sacred experiences of my own. Um, about two years ago, I began walking the medicine path. And so what that looks like is working with um, different plant medicines to support me in my journey of healing, in my journey of evolution, in my journey of connecting with my soul, right? So for anyone who believes that you're more than just this meat suit and a brain, um, to connect more with that energetic piece of myself. And in that experience, I've been able to uncover parts of myself that there's there's wisdom and knowledge and, and insight that 
I have been able to speak on that there is no other explanation for besides something energetic, something supernatural, something um, bigger than, you know, going to college for four years and completing X amount of years in, in education. And that to me feels like the embodiment of, of an old soul. Um, and, and speaking in that very spiritual, energetic um, kind of context, that's essentially what it, what it is. It's not only just these life experiences that I've had, you know, at 24 years old, but there's something to say of the the wisdom and the knowledge that gets gets passed down ancestrally um, as well. And being able to tune into that. I think another piece of this for me in in growing up was like I was not raised in any type of like organized religion either that would put um, more of a narrative of like, there's no way that I've done anything like this before. Like it was just very open and like, whatever you want to believe, you believe. And so it allowed me to play with all these different philosophies and ideas and, and theories of, of what it means to be human and what this whole experience is about. And so this this concept of, of being an old soul has, feels um, like a burden sometimes. Um, meaning coming onto onto this this earth with um, a long list of karma and for anyone who doesn't really know like what what karma is it's it's the lessons that you are meant to learn in this life in this experience and when we speak to the the idea of our souls wanting to learn these lessons we will come back onto this earth plane again and again and again until we learn that shit and being aware of that um and understanding the long list of, of what that looks like for me in this life speaks to the narrative of, of being an old soul, of being someone who who is connected to, to the land and the pain of my ancestors, and who is also um, able to see the light and the direction that this earth is heading as well, and, and where humanity is heading as well. Um, and so it's it's a different lens to, to look at this experience of of being a human through for sure, which is, which is where it becomes a burden sometimes because not everyone can, can really digest that or find resonance with that. Um, but where it is a gift is um, I get to hold the light for, for those that, that maybe can't find the resonance or they can't find that within themselves. And so this idea of, of being an old soul is, is a little bit of both. It's, it's a burden in in that sense and then it's such a gift at the same time because i'm able to connect with with men and women of all all different ages because of the wisdom the knowledge and the insight that exists within my psyche with within my spirit yeah it's almost like this notion of what you had talked about earlier right like in this 3d plane the human kayla the human version of kayla had to grow up fast due to like environmental reasons and how she was raised and the family she was around. And then there's this like other spiritual element that plays into it of, Hey, my soul's done this a number of times. And here I am again, doing it. I've got a lot of experience this time around. And so it's really cool to see how you fuse like those two worlds together and how you're now like delivering that as your gift to those that you work with. We have a, a quote that we really operate under in this podcast. And it's a Krista Tippett quote that Dries brought to me when we first were ideating on what we want to talk about on this show. 
And the quote goes like this. Everybody doesn't become an elder. Some people just get old. And I had read that quote to you before. And what you had mentioned to me is that what immediately came up for you was this journey of the maiden, the mother, and the crone. And I want to hear more from you on that and explain to our listeners, like, what does that journey mean? What do those three main archetypes mean? And and how do we know which archetype and which season we're in right now? Yeah, so a little bit of, of a foundation for this is the understanding of, of what an archetype is and archetypes being um, an energetic space that we get to shift into, right? So if we were to put it in the context of a very, um, very 3D like human thing of like, the archetype of, of being the corporate woman, right? Maybe wearing the blazer, going to work, working the job, getting the things done. It's one archetype that a person might play in their day. And then they get home and they take their heels off and they let their hair down and now they have to go cook dinner and they're maybe spending time with their spouse or they're you know hugging on their kids. And now they're in the archetype of being a mom, right? They're not really checking the boxes the same way and their, their energy is completely shifted. You're showing up very differently. You're, you know, tending to your family versus tending to the tasks of your job for the day. And that's just what it looks like to shift between archetypes. And so the journey of the maiden, the mother and the crone came to mind for me here because within the plant medicine space specifically, there's high reverence for elders. Those are the ones that that hold the wisdom and the codes for the healing that gets to happen for the generations to come. And the shifts that happen for women specifically these archetypes of maiden mother and crone are um, who they resonate with here is the maiden energy is we can base it on an age essentially of like your teenage years um maybe into your your you know through your 20s maybe early 30s and the energy of of that phase is very me 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 look at me Maybe I dress um, more scandalous. Maybe I'm showing more skin. Maybe I'm like, F the rules, like whatever it might be. It's just like, I don't care what anyone thinks. Just full rebellion is the energy that comes up there. And when we think of a woman in their more maiden energy, they are walking into a room and they don't care what anyone else has to say about them. They're the center of attention. Look at me energy, right? And then when we shift into the energy of mother, we are more we uh, perspective of the collective nurturer of looking at um, of looking out how when we can walk into a room, the hearts of others open rather than close off. How when we walk into a room, people can soften and feel held and seen in our presence doesn't necessarily mean that you have to pop a child out and now you're in the mother archetype, but you're in this space of, of being able to, to hold more than just yourself, right? It's like this opening that happens. And the crone is the wise woman. She is the one who has moved through the very me, me, me to the very us, we, to now being able to hold both of those and now being able to pass on all that she's learned through experiences and and so on to the next generations to come 
And that's where the reverence comes in for these elders and for these, these wise men and women that not only exist in, in the medicine space, but are very, it's very much emphasized in, in that space, um, is that they've spent long years dedicated to their journey of really understanding what it means to be human, what it means to be on this journey, to heal, to evolve, to find purpose, to find fulfillment. And so they are who is looked to in within society in certain parts of the world. And when you share this quote, I found it very interesting because the beginning says like um, something about like people getting old and like not everyone becomes an elder. And when we speak to the term elder, the the energy that comes up is that very wise woman, very crone, embodied wisdom kind of essence. And not every old person carries that. Not every old aged person, if we're talking numbers, that's why I said like these archetypes don't necessarily just go by age, but not every um, person who gets to that that older age um, is, is walking in embodied wisdom. We can look at a lot of um, older people now and I'm talking like grandparents, right? Who are cold hearted, who are angry at the world still, who are continuing to perpetrate judgment and who are, um, you know, stuck in their old ways, not open. And the the elder is is the kind of like beacon of light for the future generations to, to shift those ways of being. And not every person who who reaches old age is is that next leader for what we want to see moving forward and so that's the kind of take that i i had on that that quote yeah that one's that was a big one for me that that really kicked off this whole i mean it's been a couple years of mulling over this idea of even starting these conversations and and for me it really started with that quote but also with i mean it started much earlier right as a as a youth going to one grandmother's house and just absolutely hating it there because she's, she just aged. So just angrily and bitterly, um, she just didn't want to be where she was ever. And then always finding refuge at my other grandmother's house who was ornery as hell, but man, she, she just, she just had a way about her. Like even as ornery as she was and some of the things she'd say would just shock you. You'd be like, I can't believe you said that grandma. You just knew that she was there to hold, to hold space. Right. Um, so that's, that's a big, big one for me. And, um, you know, we've mentioned this before, but that, uh, acceptance of being where you are in, in that journey, whether in that maiden mother or crone space. And, and it's the in-between that I think can be really difficult for people and the acceptance of it, right. That acceptance of being like, I am now in this phase and it can be really beautiful. And, um, you know, I think I've listened to a lot of people speak about these shifts that, we make. And I've, I've observed it a lot of just like going from this moment of it's all about me and that is a, okay. Like sometimes we all need that actually, no matter what age we are. Um, but going from that to seeing the world as more of a, of a whole, right. Building community, being in community that feels much different than, you know, I love time on my own, but there's also something very valuable for me in that community space and really like falling into that and being in that. Um, so, and, and speaking of elders, I'd love to know Kayla, who in your life has 
become, you know, has really like kind of guided you on this journey that you have, that you're on toward that space of being an elder? Is there anyone in your life that really stands out to you? This is such an interesting question because I feel that that um, the amount of, of elders um, has kind of increased as I've been on my own journey of healing because I'm able to look at my my nana, my great grandmother, who complains a lot about still being here, complains a lot. She's watched all of her siblings pass on. She's the only one left. I mean, that's like a little miserable. Like I, I get you, girl. Like I, I don't know how I'd feel about that either. And I'm always one, even in her presence, to continue to hold the light and, and ask the questions like, Nana, what's your favorite song? Nana, what's your favorite food? What did you like to do when you were younger? Like I I can find the elder in every quote aged person in my family because it's for the sake of of being the one who who will carry the stories forward. And my parents tell me all the time, you always know the right questions to ask. I never even heard that story from my mom or from my dad. And it's because I, I'm very clear on what my role is moving forward with the generations to come and deciding what these stories get to mean moving forward. And so my grandparents, I have grown so much closer to and speaking to, you know, coming from uh, young parents myself, my grandparents also had children very young. So you know, I, I was around for one of my grandmother's 45th birthday. Like these are, I have a very young family. And so I find that as, as a gift and a blessing as well. And, you know, asking them, you know, questions about, about their upbringing and funny moments and grandma, what was your life like at 20 something years old? And, and really just wanting to understand how they showed up in their journey and what were their, their challenges and their struggles that they moved through, because I understand the ancestral side of that, of how all of that also gets passed down as well. So I'm also not only just asking to know them, but to get to know myself better, like, Oh, that's where that pattern comes from. And so I think it's actually possible to find the energy of an elder in almost every aged person that you come in contact with even if their story is depressing and miserable and, you know, the perspective that they have on it doesn't necessarily resonate with you. There's something to that experience that can teach you how to move forward in your life and what you want to, you know, take that and do with it. Um, so I've been able to find that even, you know, in my, in my grandfather's as well, in, in the way that that they show up and maybe I don't agree with every choice that they make or, or how they do things or whatever they have you. But I love to learn about who they've been and how they see the world because they have been here for, you know, many of the years, times, you know, more than me. And so I've been able to find that the energy of elder within all of the aged people around me. And I take that as a gift. I pull my, you know, my voice memo app up on my phone almost every time I sit with my grandparents and I don't know what I'll do with them one day, but it's, it's important to me to hold those stories close and, and decide how I, I want to move forward with the generations to come based on, on their wisdom too. That is awesome. Yeah. My, my brother um, was that person for us with my, with my honorary grandmother and her husband, my, my awesome grandpa, Jack. Um, but yeah, he has, 
he has a multitude of recorded stories and, you know, we haven't done anything with them. And my grandparents have been passed for several years now, but how cool to just like have that forethought to be able to do that because when it's gone, it's gone. Um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to shift it a little bit. Um, I was thinking about this question. Are there any, any internal stories about aging that you hold that you desire to shed? And if so, what are those? Um, on the opposite side of that, are there any stories you're developing about aging that you're really excited about? Yeah, the the answer for the first question that that you just asked here is like coming through very clear. And we'll we'll play with that that other one. I'm curious where that that one will go. <laughs> um, and so for this this first question of the the stories around aging for me, so you also spoke to that that shift that happens between maiden and mother, and then mother to crone and. I'm finding myself in the, in the midst of that shift, actually. Um, I'm finding myself um, not just worried about what I want and where I want to travel and, you know, what kind of car I want to drive and what I want my business to do, but what kind of family do I, do I want to raise? And what would it be like to be a mom? What type of decisions would I have to make? How can I start to save up for this thing so that I can you know, create this type of life for, you know, the generations to come. So I'm finding myself starting to make decisions no longer just for the fulfillment of my own um, life's journey, but to become a provider and a nurturer and a safe space for those to come. And what that, that looks like is no longer subscribing to the narrative of comparison in what other 20 year olds are doing in their journey, because you've got the 20 year old who's like, F all of this, I'm going to travel and just like rent a school bus and drive cross country vision of mine to have for sure. And then there's the, you know, there are people I've graduated high school with who have like more than one child at this point and who are getting engaged and having weddings and just very, very different place in life. And so because I'm seeing both, right, there will be a time period where I'll scroll through my social media and see like all of, you know, the people I went to school with that are doing their own thing, building businesses, like super in there, like this chapter's about me. And then there'll be a time period where I scroll through and like everyone's pregnant, everyone's engaged, everyone's having a wedding. And like, depending on, on, what state of mind I was in, I used to feel influenced by that. And so I would show up differently in my relationship with my partner, right? Like put pressure to talk about having kids and a family and a future on our relationship. And like, he's not even thinking about that in that moment. Right. Um, or the other side of that, of like, actually like, forget all this, let's travel the world. Like, I don't care about when we start a family, like the, you know, being in that energy. And so I've found myself in the midst of that, that transition um, right now and no longer subscribing to the narrative of comparison is, is really, really big specifically for, for being in, in your twenties, because there's so much of like, you should get a real job and you need to have a structure. And when are you moving out? And when are you getting married? And when are you having kids? Like all of those questions are the things that, you know, lots of 20 year olds are being presented with. And I, I think 
it's also a time period where we can easily be swayed into doing the things that actually don't align with with where we want to go next. And then we hit, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, and we're like, fuck, I didn't want to do any of that, actually. I just did it because everyone else told me I should. And so I've been really careful about those conversations and continuing to remain clear on what it is I want, which, you know, in that it's important for me to no longer look to what others are doing around my age to, you know, check where I'm at on the scale, so to say. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of us and our listeners can relate to is this this power of comparison. It's prevalent everywhere, right? And I remember in my 20s, especially, it was like, who's getting married first and who's having babies and who's buying their first house? And it was it was this constant like, gosh, like, am I where I quote should be yet? And I even find that a little bit in my 30s, if I'm being totally honest, and especially because I you know, did a massive like restart in my life in my mid thirties, I still find this energy of comparison seep in every now and again. And so Kayla, how do you pull yourself out of the comparison energy? What would you tell those that are finding themselves really getting caught up in that, um, and basing these milestones on their age? The word trust comes up for me here. The question of what would you do if you trusted your own journey? Where did you trust what others wanted you to do with your life more than, you know, what you wanted? And that has been my trust has been my backbone in no longer subscribing to the narrative of comparison. How can I trust in in my journey and know that the timing of how things are playing out in my journey are actually perfect. And it's the necessary timing for me to actually get to all of the things I want for my life. So when we speak out our desires and we speak out these things that we want and they don't come to us the way that we expect them to, or we anticipate them to, that's where we can start to compare Well, This person had this level of success before I did, or this person's doing this thing and I wish I was doing that thing, or they're better at it than I am. And I'm realizing that the deeper that I trust in my own journey, the easier it is to accept the and receive the things that I have been calling out for and asking the universe for and, you know, write on my manifestation list and, you know, set goals for. And so being able to just lean into the trust and the knowing that is there of like the way my journey is playing out is actually giving me the tools and and securing all of the things that I need in place for me to have exactly what it is that I want. Um, And so that, that truth is, is really what has, has carried me. That's so beautiful. And what a mindset shift to, to really allow ourselves to lean into trust, right? Like easier said than done for a lot of us, especially if we have succumbed to a lot of like programming and societal conditioning and noise and messages that we're getting over the years. So um, definitely a, a work in progress for a lot of us. I know for me, leaning into this notion of trust I want to go back to a question that Dreej had touched on earlier, which was, what do you look forward to 
uh, as you move through the aging process and as you become an elder? Oh gosh, sometimes I feel like I embody elder more than I do like Mead and her mother and I'm like in my 20s. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Sometimes it's like scale back, okay? Like you got you got lots more to go. Like um so what I I've been playing this game, I think around this actually and I said this at the very beginning of of our conversation of like, ooh, like I'm only in my you know, 20s what will life get to look like at 30, 40, you know, 60 years old? Like, instead of being in a place of like judgment or kind of um, beating myself up or comparison or anything like that for where I'm at and in, you know, this point in my journey based on the numbers (laughs) is like deciding to be curious and give in to the game of like, okay, all right, I've got this figured out at 24 years old, like this much is what I know to be true. And this is where my wisdom lies. And this is what I've been able to embody and and support people with at this age. Fuck, like how much bigger and better can it get? Like it, it's this energy of like almost expanding, like how much more can, can I expand in, in my reach and my impact? And yeah, that, that feels very true for me just that um where where I'm heading like my brain can't fathom that and I've found safety and excitement and play in that as well um so yeah just really kind of giving into the game of life and and seeing you know where where I can end up and knowing that there is like there's no markers for for any of this like I've kind of defied those up to this point. Um, And so I just intend to continue to do that. I can't wait to know you at like age 60, 70, and just see like, what is this woman speaking on and what wisdom is she imparting at this stage of life? I'm very much looking forward to that day. Yeah, I um I have visions of myself as an as an old wise woman sometimes. Sometimes I can't figure out if it's me in this life at like 80 years old or if it's like what I've done in a past life. And like, I'm just not sure because I'm not even close to there yet. So I'll let y'all know when I get there. So as we kind of tie things up and get close to wrapping up here, Kay, I know that you are the oldest of your siblings. And you mentor a wide variety of women at a variety of ages. I want to hear from you, like, what words do you have for your siblings and other younger generations that are coming up and moving through the aging process and just through life in general? What do you want to pass along to them? Wow. Feels like these words are going to like stick forever. So let me... (laughs) lean into that one as soon as you said what would you tell your siblings like you're striking one of my biggest whys here so what do I have to say to them (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, um, you're right where you need to be and coming back again to just like trusting you're right where you need to be and once you can find why a piece of you, your spirit, the universe, God, source, chose these exact circumstances for you, and you learn the lessons from it, then you can continue to grow and to evolve 
in, in your journey, but you're right where you need to be. And I think that that can apply to anyone, no matter where they're at in their journey. We're constantly fighting to get to the next place, the next chapter, the next level. Go, 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 onward, future focused. And it's like, be where your feet are. Yeah. Seriously. Mm. But it's so interesting because if we listen back to, you know, our guest last week, he eventually like kind of the, the whole of the conversation ended up as that be where you are. Um, in fact, I was in therapy not long ago and it was a new therapist and my partner and I were trying her out and, and it, we went to one session before we decided we needed to go see somebody else. But one of the things that I said to her Cause she asked me, well, how do you deal with that? That's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff. And I said, well, I just know nothing's permanent. I'm always, it's, it's never, it's not permanent. Nothing is permanent. But I, I just, that, that sentiment of being where you are, you're exactly where you should be. Nothing is permanent. These are, these are, it's a really, I think it's super comforting because mm-hmm. it gives us a little bit more flexibility, right. In our thinking. If we only feel, if we can only feel and see these finite, finite spaces we're in, these walls around us, this, these moments, and we think that they're forever, like that is, that's startling, right? But if we can understand there's that infinite expanse, there's, there's the infinite opportunities and paths we can take and we can be more flexible in how we're thinking and and the way we're moving. Mm, This was a really, really beautiful discussion today. I am so grateful to have had you on the show, Kayla. Thank you for sharing your energy and your wisdom with us. Um, Tell us what's going on in your world right now of Emerge and where can our listeners find you? Yeah, of course. Thank you both Kelly and Dries for for having me on in this space and really speaking to an angle of of my journey that I I never really speak about in in my spaces. Um, So thank you for for calling that up and out of me for sure. Um, So in my world right now, um, you can connect with me on Instagram at Kayla Bruton. I'm sure the ladies will put my contact stuff in in the the show notes for you. Um, And if you resonate on any level of of the depth that Dries and I were kind of uh, bonding over, um, I I go very well into the depths over on uh, my podcast, uh, the Soul Synthesis podcast. Um, So that is where you can come hang out with me, hearing more on my journey, and just speaking on all the different, you know, healing modalities and practices and experiences of, of being human here on this earth plane. So um, again, I'm so, so grateful to have been here in this space with you ladies and just have this um, very enlightening conversation for me and I'm sure everyone else who is listening. So thank you. Thank you everyone for joining us today. It was a pleasure having Kayla on this show. Um, If this show resonated with you, feel free to screenshot this episode, share it to your social media, tag us at Young For My Age. Quick announcement, we are going to be taking a short hiatus. This is our sixth episode. Hard to believe that we already are six episodes in. We're going to be taking a short hiatus and we will be back in July. So in the meantime, friends, age like you mean it. we'll see you in July thank you thank you so good if you'd like to reach us please email at yfma 
apod at gmail.com.